Hi, we're back again with the latest episode of the Arm New Reality series. And today we have something really special. We're going to give you a glimpse of technologies that make it easier than ever to share truly immersive digital experiences on mobile devices. With me today to tell that story are two people who know how to work a virtual room. The first is Katan Shah. He's senior director of ARM's AR VR segment. His team is responsible for ARM's XR total compute solutions that include marketing and technology, strategy, market requirements, PL, go to market, and business development. His team works closely with the value chain from silicon partners, OEMs, and software partners that enable the digital immersive products and experiences using ARM's technologies. Also with me is Nick Fite, CEO and co-founder of the Seattle-based social VR pioneer Rec Room. Rec Room started life as a platform to provide a social way for people to hang out and enjoy games together, but has since evolved into something much more. As the whole world has moved to becoming very comfortable with meeting online, Rec Room has become more and more a platform for people to meet for both fun and business. Nick's going to talk to us about that evolution and where it could take us. But I'll start with you first, Katan, to give us your perspective on social immersion. From your broad perspective across VR and AR, how important is the social aspect of immersion and what's required on a technology front to make that happen? Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And I think social immersion is definitely something that is evolving and growing uh, in many aspects. You know, as you see right now, there are VR headsets that are out there and people are using it. Mostly they're using it for gaming. But with as COVID-19 has come about, we're starting to see people using it in different manners as a way to stay connected, right? Such that you have that intimacy uh, overall and actually seeing somebody and being able to communicate with them in a different format. They're using it for enterprise, what I would call conferences. They're also using it for actually potentially even music videos and other types of music industry types of AR experiences and even VR experiences. People are, uh, by nature, are very like to be connected. And this is a, a, an opportunity where VR is going to be able to bring some of these aspects. And with the platforms that are out there, as you're going to hear more from Nick about Rec Room, it's really going to provide that level of intimacy and that level of connection that we all love to have one way or another. Technology as a result is going to be evolving, and I'll talk further about that um, as the podcast progresses. Great. Thanks, Katan. So, Nick, what is this whole thing about social immersion? Why do we want to be social when we're immersed in the VR world? Uh, I I think a lot of people kind of look at that of, well, I want to get away from other people. I want to get away from the real world. So uh, what what have you found has been uh, the spark for for people to want to share that experience? Well, I think if you look at existing social software that we find on the web, uh, a lot of it is social, sort of in name only. Uh, so much of it is asynchronous. It's us posting photos, scrolling through a feed, but it's not actually interacting in real time with another human. And I think that's one of the really powerful parts uh, of both gaming and VR in particular is uh, you can interact with another person as though you're in the room with them, even though that other person might be on the other side of the earth. We think that's really just one of the most amazing things that you can do in the gaming and the VR space. Um, And when we look at VR specifically, the way that we think about it is, hey, the killer app in VR is really just other humans. It's the ability to transcend distance and go and hang out with people who are in other countries um, and, and 
just make those connections uh, as though distance is not even a factor. And I think we've seen during this COVID-19 period that the need for something like that has only elevated. There's a lot of technology that goes in behind making that happen. Um, and particularly um, people looking at wearable technology and, and um, how that develops. Katan, what, what have you seen needs to happen uh, for that to, to really make a difference for people? Well, I think there's multiple things that need to happen from a technology perspective. One is the technology is only just maturing, as uh, given the fact that it's been only a few years since VR has come out. But some of the things that you're starting to see is uh, technologies with regards to 3DOF and 6DOF, even actually enhancements with regards to the number of the type of display resolutions. Right now, you're starting to see, obviously, 1080p, but we're going to probably start to see 4K and 8K type of resolutions that gives you that much more richer immersion that people are looking for. Well, while visual is only one thing, if you think about it, they're also audio, right? The whole idea of spatial audio, the fact that you can feel like you're in a room with somebody else, and it's just not two-dimensional audio, but feeling like they're actually different parts of the room are going to be quite exciting. Gestures is also going to be a very interesting area where the idea is that there's not only you know, cameras on these types of devices for inside looking at, you know, looking at you from a biometrics and where you might be looking, but then also gestures in relation to looking at basically hand tracking and things that you might be doing such that you can actually socially interact with somebody and be able to work in what we call a spatial compute environment, working on projects together or interacting on particular some kind of fun gaming activity as a result. So we're going to see a lot more of these technologies, technologies that are not only going to bring much more richer immersion, but technologies that actually are going to allow the devices to become lighter and thinner and be able to provide that much more richer experience that people would want to keep something on their head for a long period of time. Nick, uh, a lot of what Katan was just talking about, I I know you've already been um, pioneering um, and seeing in live action uh, within Rec Room. So maybe you could tell us a bit about uh, how you see people using that and the the great work that your team has done. Yeah, sure. Well, backing up a little bit, what is Rec Room? It's a large virtual online universe that's made up of millions of different rooms where each of these rooms is a different place to explore. Um, Many of them are games. So you will see sports games, shooter games, escape rooms. There are theater performances. There are clubhouses. um, There are model UNs. There's all sorts of really interesting rooms that are built inside of Rec Room. And they create a social context for people to come together and interact and use a lot of the technology that Catan was mentioning. So in Rec Room, uh, Rec Room is a very cross-platform app. It's available on everything from mobile phones to PCs, gaming consoles, and then VR headsets. Uh, And then on the devices that that make sense, like VR headsets, we allow users to express themselves with their hands. They can perform gestures. They can wave to each other, high five. And you really get that very strong sense of of presence that's afforded by having uh, controllers with six degrees of freedom. Um, and then a headset that tracks, you know, your movements like head nodding and you know where where you're you're looking. Um, so we've really been encouraged by the level of immersion that we can bring to uh, those sort of devices. And as new devices come out and uh, unlock new hardware capabilities, we try and take advantage of those with Rec Room as well. We 
we try and unlock, we try and use any new technology that is put into a, an XR headset um, and use that to provide a richer uh, immersive experience or a better creation experience for users. That is fascinating. And, and particularly all of the data that you have about how people are taking advantage of the, uh, those platforms. Katan, as you look at that and you um, hear from uh, Nick and uh, other uh, developers out in the ecosystem, um, what pops out at you in terms of the biggest priority uh, for development around uh, wearables? So I think there's a lot of interesting things and use cases that uh, the, the ecosystem is looking at. And then Nick mentioned some of those very exciting areas. Some of the things that ARM looks at very closely is how do we build a compute platform that brings more immersiveness and experience at lower power, higher performance. Those are including things like, for example, compute from a graphics perspective, uh, AI, right? How do we enable more AI such that they can use the sensors on the devices, but also look at, you know, elements of potentially how individuals are looking at, you know, looking and using their and understanding their intent such that that can then be communicated back to the platforms and be able to use and provide those richer experiences. I've already mentioned some things with regards to audio and obviously uh, AK displays will be probably some of the future, but security is really paramount, right? If you really think about security, protecting the individual information of that, that person, that they basically want to keep. The second thing is, is obviously allowing security such that platform vendors like Rec Room can really take advantage and know that their their particular uh, content is protected and their virtual room are secure overall. So these are very important aspects that really people want to think about. Even virtual assets, right? If you think about those, they're very important. And these are aspects that ARM takes very seriously. And as we are building our platform, not only do we think about the compute, but we actually build security up from ground up that enables a lot of those rich experiences and future experiences that we expect to see. Yeah, that is interesting. And and it kind of suggests to me that both yourselves and Rec Room have this experience of producing something as a platform, providing uh, a, a lot of the foundational elements, and then people building really exciting stuff on top of it. Um, uh, Nick, I, I I have to um, say, I look at your platform and then some of the things that people are able to do with the platform and places they're taking it and the kinds of rooms they're building it um, have uh, uh, pleasantly surprised me in terms of all the kinds of things they're able to do. Um, how are you seeing that in terms of, wow, I, I didn't expect people to be doing that on our platform? Oh, I think it's very common for us to come in to the office every day and, and just be surprised by what people are able, able to build with our, our tool set uh, or just what they want to be able to, to build. I think we definitely started in the gaming space, but um, pretty quickly users were taking it uh, in a lot of different directions that weren't expressly games. The way that we've looked at it is we are, we're simply an enabling technology and, and we want to listen to our community and our customers to try and understand what it is they want to build and what roadblocks they're running into uh, because then we can take action to uh, you know, make their dreams a, a little easier to go and build inside of Rec Room. Uh, but in, in, in terms of you know, what we expect users to create, we try and take a fairly unopinionated view. Um, we try and give users powerful tools to create and then publish their content and share it with friends on everything from phones to VR headsets. Uh, but we're really excited and energized when they take 
any of the tools that we've used in a direction that we hadn't previously considered. I think that's the beauty of being uh, a platform is your community uh, really plays a strong role in what it is uh, that you're providing everyone else. They're really the ones that are driving a lot of the product direction. And I think we really embrace that. Yeah, and that platform approach is is really um, also uh, I, I see in action uh, with, with ARM around uh, your total uh, compute platform. And Katan, maybe you could kind of talk a little bit more about that and dive a little bit further into uh, the security um, uh, development questions that you were uh, addressing earlier. No, that's really good. And I, I think total compute is a really exciting thing. One of the things that we start off before we start thinking about a platform is we start to really think about what's the use cases that people are going to look at when looking at VR. You know, gaming obviously is something that's really paramount. You see it out there. But as Nick mentioned, right, using this social collaboration, right, different use cases out are very key and important uh, overall. When we think about total compute, we think about multiple aspects. We think about, obviously, standards that may go into a particular platform. We look at things like, for example, scalable compute, right, such that it can not only work on very high-end devices, but what can work on a low-end. Scalable compute, as I mentioned, considers things like CPUs. These are the central processing units. Our graphics, really that providing that gaming experience, but also providing those rich graphic experiences that people might want to need in the future. Thinking about AI or machine learning, right? How people are planning to use that. And wrapped all around that is really security. Security about keeping credentials online you know, within the device, biometrics such that they are not necessarily kept with the, the individual. Obviously, hackers can do quite interesting things. And, you know, ARM takes it very seriously that how do we make sure that people trust our particular platform as they're building it. From there in our total compute, we think about things like, for example, how does a silicon get built, you know, such that our partners can take advantage of it and really provide the most high, the best efficiency and obviously uh, a platform that gives you the best battery life as possible. Um, Software is very important to us. You know, we look at software from multiple angles and how we enable those software from providing different types of libraries, APIs, and firmware, not only for the graphics, but for security and other aspects of the platform. The last item is really tools. These are tools not only used by silicon vendors, how do we enable also OEMs such that they can bring products to market as quickly as possible, and even ecosystem partners out there. And so these are some of the things that we try and do. And we work very closely with all aspects of the value chain when we're building our total compute platform and enhancing and bringing in new aspects of technology that will benefit them in the experience that they want to achieve. Thanks, Katana. And, and you bring up an interesting point when you're talking about um, OEMs, and it puts me in mind of what the future form factors uh, might be. Where, where do you see uh, all of that going, Nick? What, what, what's kind of the, the next horizon in terms of uh, form factors? I mean, I think if you look at digital technology over you know the past half century, everything has really centered around a screen. Uh, we carry around these these screens with us. Uh, so they've progressively gotten smaller and smaller. You know, it used to be like a screen was attached to a big mainframe and then we could pack away a screen and like a laptop bag. And now we carry one in our pocket and some of us are wearing them on 
our wrist. I think the full promise of all of these XR technologies is that the screen kind of becomes a thing of the past. You start having digital objects that you interact with the same way that you would interact with physical objects. You start having digital avatars that you interact with the same way that you would interact uh, with you know, people who are sharing your space. Uh, maybe you would start going to 3D environments that are very similar in the way you explore them as like, you know, an actual building. I think that's what the future looks like. I think there's some format where we move past uh, screens and our digital objects are and our digital world kind of merge more with our real world. Right now, everyone kind of lives in these two very distinct worlds. You know, you're, you're walking around uh, outside and then maybe you glance down on your, your phone and, and there are two very separate worlds there. You know, uh, all my data, all my, all my digital elements are trapped on my phone. They're not living out in the world um, in, a, in a way that I can interact with. But I think in the future, those two worlds are going to merge in a way that um, is really going to change the way that technology is shaped. So, Katan, how do you see those worlds coming together? I mean, with all of the um, OEMs that, that you work with, uh, I'm sure you've got a, a, a future-looking view into where things might go. And I'm wondering if you could just kind of give us a glimpse at what your crystal ball is telling you. Yeah, I think there's different types of uh, XR experiences, right? One is the ultimate, the, the deep immersion where you actually are transported into a particular different, uh, you know, uh, immersive world. I think many of that you see with the gaming, but we're going to see a lot more richer content and a content that makes it feel like you're part of the actual environment. And that's going to be a new part of new aspect of immersion that you're going to see. Uh, such that if things look very realistic uh, from that perspective. The other part is really going to be about um, contact lenses. The whole idea that right now we have to wear something on our head, it could be a glass, it could be a VR headset. The whole, you know, the idea of being able to put a contact lens and that contact lens then brings that digital world to where your particular real world is. Uh, as Nick mentioned, right, you're actually able to, you know, be in your particular, you know, real world and you're interacting with digital assets or you're getting uh, information sent to you. Whether that information is about digital content, right, and understanding your intent, in particular, providing healthcare data about how you're performing and, you know, what your particular aspect is. So if you look at it, there's going to be a spectrum of types of experiences and a types of future. But I think a lot of that is going to be based on not only the underlying platforms, but how those platforms, the software is going to help drive. Right. And, and it sounds like there's also a real opportunity as that technology evolves for the group of people who makes best use of it um, to evolve. I'm thinking particularly of um, what you've seen, Nick, in terms of that move from um, people using the platform for entertainment to actually using it for um, business and productivity. And I'm wondering what you've seen in terms of the development of use cases for mobile XR in business. Yeah, uh, I can talk a little bit about what we see in Rec Room specifically. Rec Room certainly focuses on games, but we do hear stories of uh, people using Rec Room, uh, teachers using it to teach students, people using it for group therapy, uh, people using it to meet up for family reunions. We've seen all of these very different use cases that I think we never really anticipated before. I don't think we ever thought someone would go build a virtual 
version of their real world office and then meet up with their coworkers in there. Uh, I, I don't think we had really previously thought about it as a scrum space or a team meeting space, um, but that's things that people do right now. I think more what we think about with Rec Room is not this clear divide between a consumer use case and an enterprise use case. I think we just think about Rec Room as a generalized way to meet up with people who maybe don't share the same physical space that you do. Uh, so in the same way that uh, Google Meet or Zoom are not expressly consumer or enterprise, they're just sort of a general tool set for helping people connect when they're not in the same space. We think of Rec Room occupying a very similar role. They're Rec Room is just a place where you can connect uh, with another human that's somewhere else in the world, and we'll give you a bunch of tools to personalize that space in a way that makes sense. If you need a whiteboard, you can spawn a whiteboard with markers and use it to brainstorm around. Uh, if you need a big theater to give a presentation to a bunch of people, you can do that. If you want to build a virtual theme park for you and your family to hang out in, you can do that as well. So again, we take a very unopinionated approach on what it is that you're building in Rec Room. We're really just trying to enable your creativity to come through and give you a tool set for you to realize these dreams and publish them on a, on a very broad platform of devices. Yeah, that seems to be the key. Um, uh, Gatan, what do you see in terms of the, the broader adoption of XR technologies? And it, it seems that what Nick was just talking about in terms of the, the real um, broad spectrum of devices is going to be key to that. Um, what's, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's going to be super excited, right? When you think about um, XR You've got to be, as Nick mentioned, you look at things like education, types of experiences that people may have. And I think those are going to be definitely very key and paramount. Um, in many cases, you might be in your particular home location or office location, interacting with your, your partners or your particular colleagues, or even a, a social event, right, uh, the, you know, that you may be uh, participating in. When you look at the digital world, right, and you look at the, the, the world that we may want to go into, there's going to be an aspect of how do you interact with something that you're actually seeing, but the digital assets are there, right? Whether those digital assets are something that you're interacting with or digital assets that you're capturing and you're actually being able to, you know, be rewarded for in some manner on a platform overall. Yeah, and that would seem to be um, a particular challenge as the hardware evolves. Um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing a really fast rate of development uh, around uh, XR hardware. Um, and I'm wondering, Nick, as you kind of um, hear from your customers, uh, what are, are you hearing in terms of what they'd like to see in the, the VR hardware? Yeah, I mean, I think you hear the typical laundry list of items of like, hey, I'd like more resolution or I'd like the frame rate to be faster or, you know, I wish instead of controllers, I could use just hand tracking. I think the biggest thing that I think actually will move things forward is price. Um, I think in order for so many of these use cases to light up, you just need a broader number of these headsets out there. You need a higher social density for a lot of the, the things to happen. Um, I think if you look back at like mobile phones, texting, for example, was possible very early on, uh, but it took a social density uh, of phones out in the wild for that that 
that use case to really like catch fire. Uh, for a long time, everyone who was buying phones was buying them to make phone calls. Uh, and that's probably one of the last things that phones do these days. Um, and I, I think it will probably be similar with VR. As you see more people adopting VR or AR headsets, um, it, it's not always going to be hey, now we've added this technology and now this new thing is possible. It will be, hey, the social norms have changed in such a way that now this use case is more broadly accepted and used in uh, a wider variety of, of circumstances. I, I think you could look at video calling in the exact same way. I mean, video calling has been possible for you know, 20 some years right now. And I think it's probably seen more adoption in the last like three or four months than it had seen in the previous four years. You know, as the world changes, um, so do a lot of the use cases. And uh, and I think as the price comes down, you're, you're going to see more of that use case evolution as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you reminded me of the early days of Bluetooth. I remember the first time I saw somebody using a Bluetooth headset, I thought that person's talking to themselves. They're just wandering around talking to themselves. And I'm not going to do that. I look like an idiot. But, you know, we, we all kind of got there. Um, so I, I, I'm thinking, Katan, that there, there's a number of things here that um, that ARM could do to help make this uh, evolution possible. Maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, what what you're doing uh, to enable the kind of future that Nick is talking about. Providing a, a total compute solution to our partners is really about providing that rich set of technology that they can sort of build different devices around. Whether that device is for a very enterprise-like of uh, customer where they need a very significant precision, they need something that's very comfortable, et cetera, or something that can come down into a consumer type of device, such that, as Nick mentioned, enabling the mass, right, such that they can actually experience and interact with particular XR devices um, in the different types of configurations that they're looking for. And then obviously the things that may even go into what you would call contact lenses, right? The idea that it's always on, always connected, always be able to understand what you're trying to do. We look at all of these different aspects. We look at how do we build things for lower power, such that it, the battery life lasts longer. We look at things like how do we get the right performance, such that our partners can pick the particular configurations that they think they do they're going to need to be able to pro provide the experience that they want to deliver as part of their product. And then we look at things that are very, what I'll call very significant in uh, performance. And it's not only about the, the graphics, but it's about bringing the full system together, such that the end user and the OEMs are able to really get that experience that comes along with it. But one of ARM's strength is as similar to what Nick has highlighted, and for his particular platform, we want to give our customers breadth and depth that they can take advantage of. We're constantly evolving, and we know that refresh rates are getting higher. We know data requirements are getting much higher than they were previously. Probably the best example is, as Nick mentioned, we were going from, say, we used to do voice, which was probably low data, to now it's all data, right? Texting, video chat, et cetera. And that's one of the things that ARM really puts a lot of significant investment in. 
5G is going to provide a lot more of that, what I would call mobile experience. That's going to allow you to carry and be able to move around in that particular, in your native world and be able to get that richer experience. And I think that's one of the areas that we're spending a lot of time in making sure that devices are going to enable mobility, which is going to give people the access and the ability to really enable those digital immersion. Think about it from this perspective. You're on the road, you get a phone call. In the future, we would just imagine, right? Your glasses, you can actually interact with your colleague right there um, in, in, in a video chat um, that's personal, intimate, and it's only you and that other person that's being able to experience it. Whether it's in a three-dimensional form, even potentially in the future, we expect holographic type of displays to come to light that's going to bring those types of new abilities to interact. Yeah, and as that interaction gets richer and you've got hardware that has more capabilities, uh, I would imagine, Nick, that you're seeing the hardware developers trying to strike that balance between trying to provide things that you can uh, more easily develop for, but also that are going to provide the higher performance. And uh, uh, from your development team's point of view, uh, there's that kind of whole thing of nailing jelly to the wall. Like it's going to change. Um, and how do you uh, uh, approach that that question of um, when is something solid enough that I'm going to develop it around it? And what do you what do you want to see from the hardware developers in this space um, that um, allows you to take full advantage of the hardware while not constantly having to change? Yeah, it, it's a good question of like how do you balance being at the cutting bleeding edge of hardware and balance that with if you want to do anything social and immersive, you need some critical level of uh, distribution. You need you need enough people to have the device so that they can have this social experience. Um, and, and it's a tricky balance, I would say. For us, the way that we look at it is we, we primarily look at the consumer space uh, and we, we sort of have like critical points where we say, hey, once a device has reached X level of sell-through, we think it's generally worthwhile for us to explore this this space. We think you can have a sufficiently dense social graph um, in, in this world and, and we can provide a meaningful experience with, with Rec Room. One of the nice things about being super cross-platform though with Rec Room is we can make that leap a little bit sooner than others can because we um, allow all of our platforms to connect with all of our other platforms. So even if you have a super high-end VR headset that maybe doesn't have a tremendous amount of sell-through, we will let that VR user connect with other users who are on you know, a PlayStation or a phone or a PC without a VR headset. So we can give them that social experience. We can let them explore the world of Rec Room. We can let them interact with the millions of other people that are playing Rec Room, even though they might have a bleeding edge device that doesn't have you know, a really high level of consumer sell-through. Yeah, that, that's a great approach. And that makes a whole lot of sense. It, it also kind of gets me to the final crystal ball question uh, about uh, what might future mobile XR ecosystems make possible that the technology just can't deliver today? Um, and and I, I would ask that question of each of you, uh, maybe starting uh, with uh, Nick and then finishing up with Katan. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know exactly when it'll happen. Maybe it's five years, maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's further. Um, but I like Katan's vision of, hey, someday we're all wearing contact lenses uh, out and about, and they provide a no compromise AR and VR experience for all of us. So 
you know, we can order an Uber and we'll see some holographic marker on top of it telling me like, this is, this is your Uber. Maybe you're walking down the street and, you know, you'll be able to uh, do a Yelp search and you'll see, you know, Yelp flyout ads coming out from, from restaurants to let you know that your friend went to this place and ordered the chicken tandoori and really liked it last week. Um, and then maybe that same, you know, uh, contact lens can provide a, a kickback and full immersive experience. So in the same way that I go home and sit on my couch and watch Netflix, maybe I can go home and be fully immersed in, in a totally different, you know, game world and, and, and play with my friends, um, in that world. I, I think that's the, the world that I kind of see us trending towards where we're not carrying around little blocks of black glass with us everywhere we go. Uh, our digital worlds are more mixed together with our, our physical worlds. And we interact with technology more the way that we interact with physical objects and, and physical places and, and real humans. So a much more natural future. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and is that how you see it as well, Katan? Yeah, I think, you know, it's really interesting that the future is definitely uh, going to really bring that experience such that it's a part of us, right? Whether it's a, you know, a contact lens that gives you that uh, VR, AR experience um, that can also work, say, with your watch, right? So if you think about it, distributed computing, right? Doesn't matter if it's in your phone, you have your phone, whether you have your watch, whether something's within very, uh, you know, within your clothes, sensor data, you know, it's everything is going to be able to interact and work together and know what your intent is and know what you are trying to achieve. But it's really important that, you know, we think about all our senses, right? Right now we think about, you know, typically, you know, what we see, what we're touching, what we're hearing, and that these particular compute solutions are able to recognize and be able to then act upon it. But all of these emergence are going to require new types of evolutions in technology. And, you know, this is an area that we're spending a lot of time. New technologies like, for example, computer vision, they've been around for a while, but they're really now starting to take an amazing foothold about being able to unlock your phone. But think about it this way. You're walking down the street, you recognize somebody, as Nick mentioned, but you forgot their name. Well, right now, if it knows that you've met that person before, it might be able to put a particular name right next to that individual. So you can socially interact with them in a more natural manner. And that requires a lot of different technologies from having something that's understanding computer vision, being able to have that aspect of security, and then being able to bring you know, that experience such that it's there for, for full days of use um, or even longer. Great. Well, thank you for that. And and thank you for your time today. Um, I, I think we're actually living the, uh, the social digital experience here uh, in, in this podcast. So uh, I very much appreciate uh, your thoughts and, and excited about the, the future uh, that uh, you sketched out here today. Thanks again. Thanks again.